Today, it is my joy and privilege to introduce to you a good friend of mine. Some of you will remember him. He spoke here two years ago, when, well, three years ago, two and a half years ago, when we were moving into the Hope Rising campaign to expand this building. We doubled this building. We doubled our parking lot. We did all kinds of uh, physical renovations at all of our campuses, which, by the way, I haven't welcomed the campuses. Would you give it up and welcome all of the campuses? We love you folks. We're glad you're with us. They did all kinds of physical renovations at their locations. Then we went into the mission field like never before, Haiti and Kenya. And uh, we, we did an ARC orphanage. We did all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're launching a second campus in Kenya right now as we speak. And so Joe Sangle came to be with us. And um, he's back. And uh, I was reminded last night as I just kind of hung out with him. And uh, we watched a little basketball game together. Y'all, y'all are a bunch of sinners. And if you're a Duke fan like me, hey, listen, you should still be able to worship the Lord today. If, if a football game causes you to lose your heart and not be able to worship the Lord, you have created an idol. Wow. So uh, we're going we're gonna to worship God. He is good regardless of who won. And uh, congratulations to my daughter and you UNC fans. You done good. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> Joe Sangle was here two years ago. He preached on 2 Corinthians 9. Again, I was hanging out with him last night. I was just reminded how much I love this guy. He is bona fide crazy. <laughs> like crazy. I'm not even kidding. He's crazy. Uh, but, you know, Paul says that we are out of our minds for Christ, right? We are crazy fools for Christ. And that is what Joe is. Joe is a president and CEO of Enjoy Stewardship. He's an amazing man of God. He's got three books he's written. Uh, we're going to have those. I think they're out there today. And they're going to be at the Financial Learning Experience uh, at 1.30 today. He's been married for 20 years. He has three beautiful children. He is a graduate of Purdue. And uh, he lives in Clemson. He's also a graduate of Clemson University. God help him. Um, he uh, is just an amazing guy. He travels all over the world helping people get their finances in order. He is a gifted man of God who is being used in powerful and profound ways all over the world. And he is going to bless you today. I promise you. And if you will just lean in today, grab those teaching notes, grab that pen. Here's what I promise. You're going to want to come back at 1.30. And if you'll come back at 1.30 today, you will leave encouraged and you will leave inspired and equipped to know what is the next step for you financially. To get your financial life, your financial house, if you will, in order under God's reign where he can bless your life. So I want you to do what you always do. You're always so kind to guest speakers around here. I want you to give honor where honor is due and welcome Joe Sangle to New Hope Church. Woo! Thank you, brother. You're fired up? Love you, brother. I, I hope you didn't mind me telling them you were bona fide crazy. Come on, go Tigers. <laughs> hey, um, 
<laughs> I, I feel led to do this right now before, you, before I just cut you loose because I know you're going to preach like crazy today. Um, I want to ask you this question. Um, we are two-thirds of the way through our campaign, Hope Rising. And by the way, I didn't show the slide, and I want to show that slide, Sarah, if we can just show the slide of the Hope Rising. We're two-thirds of the way through our campaign, okay? And um, so here we are. We just pledged $6,657,000. We're two-thirds of the way through. We've given, we just went over $4 million, church. $4 million. Praise God. So we're right there. We should be. We should be about 66% done. We are 60% given. So we're doing really good. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. God is doing a great work. Um, Here's what I'd ask you, and then I'm going to get off the stage and let you go. What would you say to us? Because you helped us go through this. You helped us and our new executive pastor, George Franco, who is now on staff here, uh, worked for Joe. Those guys led us through this. What would you say to us right now? Two-thirds of the way through. I would say this. Uh, I'm a runner. I don't know if there's any runners here, but I generally run three miles or whatever, and I love running 5K races. That's 3.1 miles. And it's kind of like this race in Hope Rising. It's a three-year journey. And you're two-thirds of the way through. And here's what I know as a runner. That middle mile is terrible. T-R-B-L. Terrible. terrible. And uh, it, it can, listen, when you're sacrificing, and how many of you, uh, you've sacrificed for Hope Rising? It's a sacrifice, isn't it? Mm. And let me tell you something. That journey gets tiring. Mm. Here's what I know. It's helpful to know when you get that second mile, I get a second breath of wind because I know I only have one mile to go before That's I good. hit the finish line. And here's what I know. The people who sacrifice. If you've sacrificed financially in a spiritual sacrifice, you can expect a spiritual harvest. Mm. And I, what I'm seeing is this room is doubled in size right here. I'm hearing what God's doing in the campuses. There's been an abundant spiritual harvest Blessing. because of a sacrifice made two years ago. And that's an incredible thing to see. Hey, hey yeah, yeah. Um, that, that reminds me, though, because I, I just had this realization. Some of you weren't even here. Three years ago when we, went, when we went through Hope Rising. And we invited the church to join Amy Lynn and I to give sacrificially. We were running out of space, running out of parking, running out of room. All the campuses were experiencing a lot of the same. And we sacrificed. And here's what I want to do. If you were not here when we kicked off Hope Rising three years ago, two and a half years ago, because we, we had a season of the campaign before we started building. If you weren't here when we did Hope Rising to expand this building... I want to see a show of hands. Just raise your hand. Hold them up up high. Hold them up high. Oh, my word. Now, those of you who don't have your hands raised, we helped fund that. All of those people are here because we got a vision from God and we sacrificed. Wow. 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 Hey, and here's what I would say is, is. When I run, my wife and my kids come out and kind of watch me and cheer me on. And sometimes my kids run out and they try to run with me on that final part of it. And that's what I would just say to every single person here, man. Maybe you weren't able to sacrifice back then. Maybe you couldn't be part of the journey. Maybe God has sent you this way here. You can help this thing finish well. And and how awesome would it be to look back a year from now and say that this this whole thing was 100% fully funded. Mm. And I would just encourage you, jump in. You can be a part of it. And I will tell you, if you sacrifice financially and spiritually, you can expect an abundant financial and spiritual harvest. And some of you are saying, the new folks are here, and I, thank you for saying that. Some of you are saying, you're thinking, how do I do that? It's just so easy. There's envelopes in the chairs in front of you, and you go online. 70% of our people now give online. You go online, there's a place for you to be engaged in Hope Rising. Maybe you're new and you're like, 
I want to be involved in that. We got a year left. Jump on in with us. But for now, we're going to cut the man loose. Give it up for him one more time. Awesome. Joe Sango. Thank you, brother. Fired up. Who's excited to be at church today? Anybody fired up at every campus? Come on, that is awesome. You're, I ask it now because I'm getting ready to tell you what I'm going to talk about. And, I, and then we may not be as fired up. I'm going to talk about money. Who's excited about that? Uh, and, and I'm not giving out free samples. Um, but, but it might feel like it if you apply this stuff, it's going to help you. And here's what I know. Uh, people get kind of funny when we talk about money. And I know that money cannot buy you happiness. You know that, right? But I do know this. The lack of it can sure cause sadness. And so I want to help you today. I want to help you in your money journey no matter where you're at. Maybe you're doing great. I want to challenge you to take a next step. Maybe you're not doing great. I want to challenge you to get engaged in this game. And uh, if you're really struggling, I promise you I have a word that can help you today. Straight from God's word, from a story Jesus shared. It's the story of the parable of the talents. And we'll go to there in a couple minutes. But I first wanted to start just by sharing a little bit of my story so you can understand you know, the genesis behind why I'm so passionate about teaching people biblical stewardship. And it's because I used to be broke. Any, anybody in the house, every campus, has anybody ever been broke before? I'm not asking if you're broke right now. I'm just saying you've ever been broke. There we go. I got some friends. I'm talking college broke, where if you had a $20 bill, you're the equivalent of a multimillionaire. Broke. And so I started out life broke. Um, in fact, I was born on March 31st, 1974, at about 11 o'clock at night. Um, my mother and father had had four boys, and they tried one more time to have a daughter they really wanted. Their fourth boy was six years old, and uh, it was March 31st, so what's the next day? This is very important to the story. It was April Fool's Day, and so the nurse was listening to the womb. My mother was in labor, and she got this puzzled, perplexed look and raced out and got a doctor. She said, doctor, I think something's wrong with the baby's heartbeat, and so he listened, and he did not have a puzzled look. He looked right at my mother and said, are you ready to have two babies? I just heard two heartbeats, and my mother said what I think any mother would say at that moment. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have one baby, and it had better be a girl, or else I'm sending them back. That is a terrible April Fool's Day joke. And so the doctor said, I'm not joking, and I don't know about the boy or girl part, but you're having two babies. Get ready. And so a half hour later, my identical twin brother was born, and they tell me seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. My mother didn't cheer either. She cried. And said, the Lord has spoken. If we try for a daughter again, we'll have triplet boys. We are through with this. And so she taught me and my twin her motherly ways. And one of the skills she taught us was how to crochet. It is a man's skill. If we get stuck in the jungle, I can weave us something. It's awesome. In fact, our pastor was expecting their first child, and I crocheted them a blanket. I did. Isn't that nice? That's all. Yeah, all the girls said all, right? And he's like, oh, look, a blanket from your Aunt Joe. This is great. <laughs> For those of you wondering, it was an eggshell pattern with double crochet, crocheting lessons in the lobby at every campus. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> but I grew up in this family of six, and you might imagine with six boys in the house, my parents were like, oh, my goodness, if we go to the grocery store feeding these six boys, we're going to go broke. So we, we grew up just south of Indianapolis, Indiana, in the middle of the farm area, and uh, if you've been to Indiana, you know it's basically cornfields and soybean fields. And so we lived in those, and it was a great life. And they put us to work growing our food. And I don't know if anyone in the house today has ever been blessed to grow your own food. 
But they did not consult with my schedule as a child. They just put us to work. And we had to plant like a half acre of green beans, get fired up, an acre of sweet corn. And then without even consulting me on my schedule, they would say, it's green bean picking day. Has anybody been blessed with green bean picking day? Come on. And it's terrible because, right, they, you had other plans, but they make you pick the beans, and then you have to snap them all. And we'd put up 100 quarts of green beans in a day, right? We'd have so many green beans, it was awesome, right? We'd eat them about every meal. How do you want your eggs for breakfast? Okay, fried over medium. Here's your side of green beans, right? Yeah, it'll bless you. And so I grew up, I'm just trying to set the picture. We didn't show up with extra money. We didn't have a whole lot of extra money. We were well fed because we grew it all. But here's what I know. I didn't really start my money journey until I, vent- until I ventured off to college. And, and so I, I'm the youngest of six, but me and my twin were the first to go to college. And so I signed up to go to Purdue University. He went to our, our tribal, Indiana University. And so I went off to Purdue and I started dating this girl named Sally Mae. Does anybody know her? Anybody dating her today? Or her first cousin's Navient or Federal Direct Loan? Student loan company. Yeah, it's time to break up. Some of you have been dating her so long, it's longer than any marriage relationship you've had. It's 30 years, you're still dating her. It's time to break up. The jokes won't get any better in case you're wondering. But I financed all my college education. My first week in there, they said they'd give me free stuff if I'd fill out some credit card applications. So I filled out all of them. What's your name? Joseph Sengel. What's your income? Zero. What is your job? Z- student? None. Right? And then they gave me free stuff. And a week later, a credit card company gave me a person who said they had no job and no income a credit card. Is there any wonder people are in train wreck financial situations? Because I got it. And then the next day, I practiced with it. And I graduated with tens of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, thousands of dollars in credit card debt, but I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering after four years. And this is proof that God still works miracles. I'm serious, I barely graduated, barely. Because I'm serious, there's people here, it's the RTP area, all these smart people, geniuses. You guys graduated magna cum laude and summa cum laude. You wore the honor cords, all that. I graduated with less than all honors called thank the laude. And I got out of there. Did anybody graduate that way? 2.64 GPA, baby. Yeah. D means degree. Get me out of here. Yeah. Be glad I'm not engineering anymore. My designs would break and kill somebody. But I graduated and I got a job. And I was so excited. But all through college, I'd been driving a clunker. And uh, I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever drove a clunker before, but you've never been closer to the Lord when you dri- than when you drive one, right? You're driving and it's clunking and clacking and you're just praying through every time you drive, right? You hear a sound, Jesus, I rebuke that sound in the name of Jesus. I know you've been praying for your car if you've had one of these. And I was driving, it was a 1981 Datsun B210. It's a horrible vehicle, horrible, terrible, T-R-B-L, terrible. Charles Barkley, terrible, right? This car, it had, it, the, the passenger side floorboard had rusted through. I had a piece of plywood there to keep my date's feet from hitting the road. One day I crossed a rough railroad track crossing, the whole dash fell in my lap. I tied it up with clothesline because I was broke. One day my driver's side door stopped latching and in a sure sign my degree wasn't helping me, I couldn't fix a simple door latch 
So I rolled down the window and used more clothesline to tie it shut and went in and out of the car like the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Get fired up. And then shortly after that, I had a very special moment in this car. We've all had special moments in our clunkers, right? And so I was driving this clunker. It was a pitch black night. I'm driving to my parents' house. And I hit one of these culverts, you know, where they could have buried the culvert, you know, and made the road smooth. But instead, they just plopped it there and put a hump over it. And so I hit this thing, and my lights went out. Now, this is a problem. But immediately after that, a fireball, the entire width of the hood, came out roared over the windshield, and then my lights came back on. And do you know what you do when you're broke? You keep driving. You ignore the obvious problem. I just went, ah! And then I kept driving. And I was like, that did not happen. Did, what, what happened? The second time that happened, I said, we should check this out. The spirit of discernment fell on me. And so I lifted the hood. I quickly discovered the problem. The battery holders had rusted off. And when I was hitting bumps, the battery was bouncing up, arcing out on the metal hood and igniting a leak in the fuel line. Get fired up. Took on another level of meaning. So guess how this broke person for real fixed the pinhole leak in the fuel line? Duct tape, baby. You know I did. I sold it with duct tape on the line, baby. 250 bucks. So do you agree I needed a different car? Yes, but I wanted a new car. So guess what I done did? Yeah, I financed myself a new car. I even financed the sales tax. 105% financing. If you look that up in the Greek, it means you're too broke to buy a car. But I did once. And then I bought a truck, because every guy needs a truck, right? And I financed it 100% finance. How many brilliant financial decisions can one person make? And so then I asked my girlfriend to marry me. She said, yes, I was so excited. I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica. And Visa beat me home from my honeymoon. <laughs> and then we, we had a chance to move to Anderson, South Carolina with a job transfer. It was 1998. And uh, we'd been married a little over a year. We were so excited. And we, we bought a house. And somehow we got a down payment scrape together. We bought a house. And we signed about 95 documents from the bank. That will basically say you're going to be broke forever, most of your natural life. And then we needed furniture, so guess how we got furniture? 24 months, same as cash, baby. We had some furniture. And, and some of you have, like, commenced the praying immediately, right? But let me tell you something. I wanted to share that to help you understand the genesis, the root of why I'm so fired up about what I'm going to share today. Because I was broke, and I was struggling with money, and I didn't know how to fix it. And I discovered this fact, and it's your first note you could take today, and that's this, that we all have to deal with money. Did you know that? We all have to deal with it. Everything you do in life, either directly or indirectly, will cost money. And you can either be happy about that fact or get mad about it. But either way, it doesn't change the fact that it will cost money. And I was struggling with money, and I didn't know how to fix it, and, and I was so I started reaching out to financial experts. I started watching infomercials. That's not very helpful. And people would talk about money and it just totally confused me. Have you ever been there? It's like they talk about investing. They start talking about 401k, 403b, 457, TSP, SEP IRA, SEMP IRA, IRA, Roth IRA. And I thought they were speaking in tongues. I didn't know what was going on. And it was like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Wah, wah, what, what are they saying? Or answering this endless riddle, right? Here, help me with this. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires, 
paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes does it take to, to cover a doghouse? <laughs> Do you know the answer? I'll ask it again. There is an answer, by the way. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes does it take to cover a doghouse? Do you know? It doesn't, somebody said three, I love it. Uh, the answer is it doesn't matter because the chicken doesn't eat ice cream anyhow. Do you get it? No, you don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And when I was asking you about financial stuff, they would ask me a question and I'd be like, huh? And then they'd tell me an answer and like nod their head like they just shared wisdom with me. I'm like, I have no idea what you just said. Let's go out to eat on a credit card, right? And I'm a spender. Are there any spenders in the house? Identify yourselves, every campus, okay. Some people have their hands raised for them. Jesus, you see these hands, right? And I would spend too much on lunch and accidentally buy a truck, right? So that, that's bad, don't do that. But I had to realize we all have to deal with money. And it's very important that we recognize it because there's many of us today, we run from the conversation. Many of us are married and we are a non-participating spouse in this thing called money. We run away from it. And we say, you deal with it. And we make our spouse carry a tremendous heavy load. And we act like four-year-olds or eight-year-olds or 11-year-olds when it comes to money. I don't want to talk about it. I can't talk about it. But let me tell you, you have to engage with it. Because not addressing it will not make it go away. Thomas Edison, the great inventor, Credited with over a thousand inventions, once famously said, I love to learn, I'm just not sure I like being taught. What he's really saying is, that feeling of not knowing, that feeling of ignorance, is not a very good feeling, is it? But God's word speaks so eloquently about this topic of money. And as I started diving into God's word, I realized it shared more about money and stewardship and managing money and possessions more than it did the topics of love hope and prayer combined. That if we would read it and it apply it to our lives, it would change our lives. It would allow us to move to a generous lifestyle, one from being self-centered and selfish and self-focused to being able to live a life of a blessing to others. And that's what we all want, isn't it? And so we're going to look at a story that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. It's known as the parable of the talents, and we're going we're gonna to read this story uh, in depth here as we go, but I want to summarize it really quick. Jesus shares this story about an owner entrusting his stuff to three different managers. And one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags of gold to another one bag of gold, and then he left. And the guy with five, he doubled his. That was good. The guy with two, he doubled his. That's good. The guy with one, he buried his. And Jesus scolds him loudly. And today, we're going to look and see what we can learn from Jesus' story here. And the first thing, uh, the second point that I'd like to share today is that God has blessed each of us. God has blessed each of us. Amen? Listen, you are blessed. We are so blessed that most of us have houses for our cars. Called garages? Most of us have guest rooms that have not had a guest in them for the last five years. That's the truth. Don't go in there. It's for the guest. <laughs> God has blessed each of us, hasn't he? 
Listen, it says in Matthew 25, 14 through 15, Jesus starts talking. He says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So the owner. So who owns it all? Help me, every campus. Who owns it all? Right, that's right. In church, the answers are yes or God. So if you say yes, God, you'll be right 95% of the time. Who owns it all? God. And it says he trusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Now read these next five words. Every campus, read them with me. You ready? Read them starting here. Ready? Each according to his ability. Woo, that fires me up. Here's what Jesus says. The owner, who owns it all? God. The owner recognizes the ability of the manager. That's us. And he gives according to the ability. So if you're saying, God, I need to be blessed with more. This dream you've given me costs more than I have right now. As you increase your ability, God will give you more to manage. That's crazy good. In fact, that's why I'm teaching the financial learning experience this afternoon. Every campus at 1.30 is to help people increase their ability. Because I know you have big dreams God has placed in your heart. And I want to help you with that. And that says, then he went on his journey. And it's incredible. So, so here's what I want you to know. One great way to increase your ability is through classes. Another way is through reading of books and resources. Others is through practical experience. Another great one is with personal coaching or discipleship. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 22, it shares wisdom. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel. We don't want our plans to fail. It says, but with many advisors, they succeed. This is why I'm so excited to share that yesterday, I was able to train 17 financial coaches from every campus at New Hope. And these people, they are winning with money God's way. Did I say they're perfect? No, because out of their wounding, they can most effectively minister, right? And they will meet with people confidentially for free, and they're not allowed to sell anything. They're actually allowed to sell two things. Hope and the love of Jesus Christ. Get fired up. And, and listen, I know that in my life, when I submitted myself to having coaching in my life in this area of money, my money started doing better. When I had a marriage coach, guess what happened in my marriage? Our communication improved, right? Does that make sense? And I encourage you to have coaching in these areas of your life. And God has blessed each of us. And let's continue the story. Verse 16, it says, The man who received five bags of gold went at once, and he put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. As a side note, I wish Jesus would have inserted here how they doubled their money. Who's with me? That would have been awesome. But we do get a clue. It says he put his money to work. It doesn't say he went to work. It's an investing principle. In fact, in the King James Version that I grew up with, it says he put it to the exchangers. The New York Stock Exchange, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, it's an investing principle, so that's a key, okay? And it says, and it says but the man who had received one bag, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So my question for you is, in the past 12 months, how have you done with what the Lord has placed in your hands? He's the owner, you're the manager, so let me ask it another way. If you're managing, you incorporated and you're managing money the way you are right now, should you fire you? Yes or no? Ooh, okay. And, and, and are you operating a for-profit or non-profit organization? 
And what do you want it to look like one year from today? I promise you, as you submit your finances to the Lord, knowing he's the owner, it will change your perspective of money management, and you will begin to hold yourself accountable. You'll allow the Lord to hold you accountable to what you do. And so I started holding my, I said, God, you own this all. And back in December 2nd, 2002, I had an I have had enough moment with my money. And I repented of my financial mismanagement, and I said, Lord, help me. I need your help. I don't know how to fix this. All I'm going to do is I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to apply it. God, help me. And did you know he did? And I started saying no in my life, and not now. And we stopped swiping, right? Swiper? No swiping. Good. Come on, vamanos. Everybody. No, we're not going to sing it. No, that's good. And, and, and so I, in 14 months, we paid off all our debt except for our house. Woo, get fired up. And listen, I've been able to live 13 years with no, no debt at my household. It's unbelievable. In fact, in fact, in 2006, four years later, I got to leave corporate America and go to work for a church. And I got to negotiate a 50% pay cut. <laughs> hey, that's a word for somebody today. The greedy Christian prayer is give me more. But sometimes God's positioning you to deal with less. And you can still prosper with less if you have no debt, right? So we're able to prosper laying up our treasures in heaven. In January 2013, at the age of 38, we paid off our house. Let me tell you something. God's word is true. When you put him first in all areas of your life, including your money, God's promise is not slack. He will, he will do what he says he will do. Amen? And so I got so fired up, I'm like, woo, you can win with your money God's way. You can do this. You could do this. And everybody's staring at me like you're staring at me right now. And they're like, pray for him. Pray for his wife, right? And, and, and a couple came to the church, and they were asking for financial assistance. And they said, we have the person to help you. And they sent me. Those poor people. I showed up. I was so fired up. I drove over to their house. I'm like, they can win with their money. And I walked in. And it's a family of four, two parents, two teenage kids. And have you ever walked in on a conversation and feel like you interrupted an argument? Oh, there was tension in this household. They had teenagers. That explains a lot of it, right? And so, so I walked in there and passion made me do it, right? Passion makes you stick with things longer than you should. And I walked in. I said, you can win with your money. Let's sit down. Um, do you have a budget? And uh, they said, no. So let me ask you that question. Do you have a budget? Remembering the two answers in church. <laughs> I don't get the full feeling that the answer is yes. So if you don't have the answer of yes, you should definitely be at the FLE, the financial learning experience at 1.30. I'm gonna show you how I got a budget that actually works, that I prepare every month. And we have over 100 free financial budget tools as well. So anyhow, commercial. But get back to the story. I sit down with them and I start preparing a budget and they put in income. And I said, um, now we should put God first or last? Help me. First, first, okay. So we, I said, you should put God first. And they're like, we want to, we can't afford it. Okay, well, we're just planning. You want to, let's put it in here. And they're like, you don't know the rest of the story yet, Joe. I'm like, okay, let, let, now you, need, you can't prosper if you don't save, so we should put savings in there too. And they're like, okay, you don't know the story. So we get down to their groceries, and I said, how much for groceries for your family of four for the whole month? And they said, $150. I went, no, 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 you misunderstood me. Not per week or not per person. I mean, for the whole family for a month for four of you. And they said, $150. We're trying to get it down to 100 
And I said, well, um, you're going to be skinny. And they were frighteningly skinny. But, but I said, we'll put 150 in there. We coming back to that. And we get on down and the budget turned upside down. It turned red, overspent. And then we got down and, and they said, well, we have these goats. I said, excuse me, I thought you said goats? And they said, yes, we have goats. I'm like, you're in the city. And they said, yeah, we belong to this agricultural organization known as 4-H. And every day we drive out to this farm 45 minutes away. We drive there twice a day to feed them hay. I said, that's great. Um, how much? And they said, $400. And I went, okay. And the budget was terribly red. And so we got to the end of the budget. And I looked at it and I said, you can win with your money. And you can give and save. And they said, we can? I said, I know you can. And they said, we can? How? I said, here's the deal. When are you going to feed your goats next? And they said, well, this afternoon. I said, that is terrific. Um, here's what you're going to do. You're going to drive over there. And you're going to kill those goats. And you're going to eat them. And you're going to solve your go-out-goat problem and your food problem at the same time. Woo! I did not woo. They stared at me in shock. Uh, they did not invite me back. But let me tell you something. It would have worked. Hey, and we, we look at that story and we say, that's crazy. Right? We say that's crazy. But if we're being honest today, listen, many of us have a goat in our life right now. And it's eating your very lunch. My question is today, God has blessed you. You think the answer is more. But I have a question, and that is what is the goat that you need to go home today and slaughter? Because it's eating your lunch. God has blessed you. Hey, and listen, as we look through this story, we see the, the next point is that we will be held accountable. That's why this is so important. We will be held accountable. In verse 19, we see the owner comes back. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, settled accounts with them. At the end of our life, we're gonna be asked two questions. What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with what I gave you? That's the accountability and as I look at the story, I see three categories of people. And I want you to kind of say, where do, you where do you fit in this story? I want you to be a part of this story today. And the first category is those who've managed well. Those who've managed well. In verse 20 through 23, we read about these two guys. It says, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And that may be you today. You have managed well what God has given you. And you've been smiling at me and you're like, yeah, Joe, high-fiving me at a distance from every campus. If that's you, I challenge you to do three things. And, and I challenge you to do these. The first thing is to thank God. Every day when you wake up, thank him for his word. Thank him for the blessings in your life. And that because you've applied his word to the best of your ability, he honored it and he's blessed you. Amen? And the second category is I challenge you to tell and teach others. Have you noticed there's a lack of biblical financial knowledge in this world? Come on, influence the people you have influence over, your kids, 
your coworkers, your, your neighbors. Listen, this is a great way to share the gospel, right? To share how practical God's word is in their life and to be able to share the witness of what God has done in your life. And the third thing I challenge you to do, if you've managed well, is to guard yourself. Isn't it pretty easy to start to define yourself by your stuff? Isn't it? Hey, a good test happened a f- several years ago here, 2008 and 9. Do you remember the stock market collapse? Right, your 401k turned into a 201k and then into a box of special K. Can I get a witness? Do you remember that? Hey, listen, and if your faith wavered, listen, guard yourself. Here's the, here's the statement. Trust the provider, not the provision. The provision will fail you every time. The provider never will. Amen? Hey, the second category is those who have managed poorly. Those who have managed poorly. Those who manage well, those who manage poorly. We see this in verse 24 through 30. Listen to what Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, says. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your, town, your, your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, Jesus Christ saying this, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I'll harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And then watch this incredible course of events. He says, take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Woo! Jesus just cussed this guy out, basically. <laughs> hey, but listen. As I, as I looked at this story, I was prompted to ask the question, who's not in this story? And I realized that seven out of ten of Americans are not even included in this story. Seven out of ten of Americans, we've, we've not only taken what was given us, We've spent it all and financed a bunch more. Think about it. This guy who was scolded, he actually kept what he was given. And he's told, he is scolded for not doing something with it. But if we were to write the 70% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, spending it all, blowing it up and financing it and swiping away, it would be written this way. Um, I know you gave me one. I spent it. And then I financed 30% more. Can I get a loan? And we laugh to keep from crying, right? Listen, that was me. I was so broke. I was going around telling I'm so broke jokes, right? Saying I'm so broke, I have to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. <laughs> it's a bad joke. Don't do that. And you laugh to keep from crying. But I will tell you, you can prosper. I don't care where you are today in your journey. And that's my fourth and final point today is that we can be free. We, can't, we can be free. We can be free. Do you believe it today? What does freedom look like in your life? What does financial freedom look like in your life? I heard somebody say no debt. That's one step. But I view financial freedom as this. Being able to do exactly what God has called you to do. The instant he calls you to do it. Regardless of its cost or the income it might generate for you. Listen, if God called you to go do what he's called you to do, you know what he's called you to do. If he called you to do it today, could you go do it? Immediately, at the drop of the hat. 
Can you live a generous life? Can you help the least of these? Is your heart inclined to what the heart of God is for? Listen, we can be free. See, God's not inspired by our wealth. He's inspired by our response to his word and our, and our commitment to him. And if you say you love the Lord, how can you say you love the Lord and not be a giver? I hear a lot of people say, hey, can I, can I, can I give 2% or 3% instead of a full tithe, 10%? And it's a challenging question, isn't it? But here's what I know. How can I, a sinner, saved by grace, stand at the foot of a bloodstained cross and say, God, what's the minimum I can do? You can be free. And maybe your next step today is to start to put God first in your finances. Maybe your step today is to actually surrender your life to the calling he's placed in your life and trust that God will provide the financial provision along the way. Maybe your next step is to throw away the credit card and stop swiping. Maybe your next step is to bless the least of these and to have your heart inclined to those least of these so that you would be known as a giver instead of a taker. Whatever your step is today, I want you to know you can be free. It says in Malachi 3.10, it says this great statement. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's, that's the first fruits, the first 10% that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Many of you are on a six-month trust test that pastor has issued in January. I want to encourage you in that journey because the Lord Almighty says that if you test him that way, that see if I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there'll not be room enough to store it. Listen, God can bless you and he can bless you far beyond what your finances could ever do. I'm gonna finish with this story. I didn't share this first service. I feel led to do it this service. Listen, I am a witness to the power of God moving in my life. I can't get over it. And God has provided far more than financial blessing in my life. You see, I sat here three years ago living in the blessing of what God had just done. See, when I was married, we, we were told we couldn't have kids. So you can imagine our excitement when two and a half years later we had a daughter. And listen, she's 17 now. Pray for me. She's a daughter, 17 years old. She has feelings for a boy. I need, I need counseling. Help me, Jesus. She's awesome. But right after she was born, we had major ovarian cysts and tumors and major surgery. Had to have it twice over. Right as we were trying to get our finances in order. Right as we were trying to get our debt gone. How many of you know that if you left here today saying, I'm going to get my finances in alignment with God's word. You're going to walk out of here and all four of your car tiles will be flat. You know why? Because we have an enemy. And he is real. And if he can keep you broke, he can keep you from pursuing what he wants you to do. Listen, punch him in the face, punch him in the throat, tell him the devil is a lie. Come on, somebody. And let me tell you, we, 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 we wanted more children. We could not have more children. We tried in vitro. We paid 18500 in cash. We saved up for it. And God, God said no. And we gave up our dream. And we took a step of faith to take this ministry to the nations in 2009. The ministry called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And I was, like, I was like, God, I wrote a book called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. I think I'm gonna have to write a sequel, right? I was broke, then I wasn't, now I am again, right? And I don't wanna write it. But I had to take the step of faith. I didn't know, listen, I'm helping broke people. How does this work? And God provided. And we, we saved money, saved money by canceling the maternity insurance. 
You know what we found out 16 days later? We were pregnant. Come on. And listen, what the doctor said is not possible. God said, look, 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 there's a baby. And let me tell you something. He's a boy and he is fired up and he's broke everything in my house. Everything. I can barely contain him. He swallowed a handful of coins. And listen, he, he threw a handful of coins in my garbage disposal and blew it out, flooded my kitchen. He's rode every cabinet door. He thinks they're horses. And none of them closed right. He threw his toy fire truck through my flat panel TV and then said he did not do it. We're born sinners. He has flooded the tub on the second floor, plugged up the overflow even, just so he could see it flow over. And it was raining underneath in the kitchen. Isn't this cool, Dad? No! Don't do that! And my son, who I love, spray painted my car recently with gold metallic fleck on a black car. Get fired up. And then told me he didn't do it with his handprint in it. I can barely contain him. But do you see this verse? See if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. You can't contain it. And I can barely contain my son. So guess what God sent our way 10 days after we paid off our house? We found out our overflow blessing was on the way in the form of another baby girl. When I stood here two and a half years ago, I was standing holding a baby girl who God had sent as our overflow blessing. We named her Megan, but I call her Overflow because she is my overflow blessing. And I will tell you this, what I have learned over these past years is that when you put God first, when you surrender all of your finances and all of your life to Him, you honor Him first, you save, you invest, plan the rest, God will give you blessings that money cannot buy. And you'll be able to live this life saying, I am free. I am free indeed, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen, church? Hey, will you pray with me every single campus? Thank you, Jesus. It can happen for you. God, thank you so much for the blessings in our life. God, may we never, ever look at the blessings you've given us and say, God, thank you, give me more. But God, may we thank you. May we have the heart inclined toward what your heart is inclined towards, towards the least of these. God, you are a giver, for you, for you love the, the whole world so much that you gave your one and only son, and he gave his one and only life that we might be able to experience liberty. It, it, Jesus, you paid a debt, a financial term, that we could never repay, and you gave us that gift of redemption, a financial term, that we might be able to be saved, a financial term. Help us to understand our salvation at that level, knowing that when we surrender our life to you, you will do that finished work. And God, I pray for those of us here with big dreams. God, will you give us, give us that spirit to believe that you really can do what you have spoken into our lives. Give us the courage to make the tough financial decisions. God, for those who know they need to come to the financial learning experience at 1.30, help them to come, help them to bring their family, help them to take their next step. Jesus, we love you. And it's your name that we pray this. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Hey, listen, as we close the service today, we're going to sing a song that talks about that we're no longer slaves to sin. And I think it's such an amazing song that reflects what the Lord has done for us. Will you join this church and sing every campus? God bless each of you. Amen. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. 
Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org, and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast, and thanks for being a part of our church family.